are listening to Masks Off with host and life coach Kim Gross. My goal is to help people to go from people pleasing and perfectionism to powerful. I help you to uncover these patterns, own your shit, and remove these masks to live a more empowered life using my five step power pathway that takes you from people pleaser and perfectionist to powerful. Let's drop into this week's episode. Welcome everybody to another episode of Masks Off. I'm Kim and today I have a guest who has been a guest before a long time ago, but she's back and she's amazing. And I will let her introduce herself in just a moment. But before we do that, I'm going to read the quote and the quote is by Carrie Jarislow. And it's what she uses with her podcast, Relationship Diversity. And the quote is that every relationship is as unique as you are. So Carrie, so glad you're back again. I'm really excited that we are connecting. We had a great conversation when you're on. Oh, well, you were on a couple of times. You were on solo and then you were on with Jen. So this is like yeah. your third time on Mask Stop, which is awesome. That's a first. So oh. thank you so much for being here. And you have so many new things going on in your life since you were last on. But for anyone who you would be new to, introduce yourself if you would and let us know who you are. Yeah. Thank you so much for having me on again, Kim. I always love our conversations. Me too. Um, so I'm, <laughs> so I'm Carrie Jarislow. Uh, I'm an author and a relationship, uh, guide, and I help men and women question and explore everything they thought they knew about intimate relationships with one main goal. And that's to know who they really are and what they really believe and what they really want in an intimate relationship. So many times we have all of this societal, familial, cultural programming that tells us what a good relationship or what a relationship should look like. And it leads us to feeling many times like a failure, like I just can't get it right. And so I love to help people just bust through all of that to really learn who their unique self is, therefore being able to then design the unique relationship with whoever it is that they choose to be in relationship with. Mm, I love that. And I'm so glad you said that because one of the things that has been floating around and stirring within me is what is this question of what is love? What is mm. love? Right? I'm so used to seeing, not me only, society is so mm -hmm. used to seeing relationships that are codependent. And mm -hmm. we think that that's love when mm -hmm. in actuality, it's not love, it's codependence. Mm -hmm. And yeah. right. So I do a lot of work with the people pleaser mm -hmm. and people pleasers. It's so hard 
to have a healthy, fulfilling relationship when you're a people pleaser, because you're not showing up authentically. You're not showing up Mm -hmm. as who you are. You're showing up according to how you think the other wants you to be. Mm -hmm. And you're trying to meet other people's expectations. So now you're not being yourself. So how is that a, a relationship? Yes, exactly. So that's a juicy. Yeah. So it's so juicy because not only are you trying to meet the other person's expectations, but you also have all of these expectations on what your relationship is supposed to look like. And where do we get those expectations from? Well, we're modeled them. Maybe we're We talk about it in our social circles. We hear about it maybe on TV, this kind of, you know, um, fantasy um, love story. And not to say that there aren't love stories that does exist. And I think many times that we, we, we betray ourselves first by trying to be something the other person wants us to be that describes a lot of my first marriage although we were very good friends and in the friendship space we felt um very respectful and and equal and and I felt like I could be myself but once we moved into a an intimate relationship I had so much wounding from my parents divorce Um, So the, so what I saw my parents, I never saw my parents argue or fight until they were getting divorced. So just cemented in my subconscious was if you argue or have conflict, then you will break up. And so, so I became this person in that marriage that would do anything and everything to, um, to avoid conflict which made me just try and be who I thought he wanted me to be as his wife. And therefore, like, I didn't even know who I was. And I got married in my late 20s the first time around. So I had spent a good amount of my life. Like I was, I had my kind of awakening, my spiritual um, awakening when I was 23. So I had spent like five or six, seven years really getting to know who I was and what I, you know, who I, who I was, or at least exploring, questioning. And yet when I got in that marriage, I really lost myself. And it was just from like a really instinctual fear. It was just all about fear and survival. How can I make this marriage survive? I can make this marriage survive by by being who I think he wants me to be. And it led us to divorce. <laughs> so it didn't end well. <laughs> Which, which I still think that it was a very successful relationship because I talk about this in my podcast about this idea of successful relationships and how staying together, I don't think is the only qualifier of a successful relationship because I grew and evolved very much in that relationship. Um, I learned, you know, what I was doing and who I was being, which was not me. And that's beautiful, right? Anytime that we can learn a lesson from anything in our life, then there's Mm -hmm. abundance in that. So that's beautiful. Yeah. Let's back up to you, your story about your first um, husband, your relationship. 
And you said, mm-hmm. I lost myself. Mm-hmm. I lost myself in the relationship. Were there any red flags for you then that you could feel you lost yourself or was it not until you're out of the relationship and then looking back on it in hindsight and said, oh, man, I completely lost myself in that relationship. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's a great question. I think it kind of happened along the way. And I think it was very much true to where I was at that time. You know, wisdom comes with age. Okay. Mm -hmm. So I'm about to be 53. And I think about who I was at 28. I was still so wounded from my parents' divorce and from my lack of relationship with my father. And there was one thing that Matthew, that was my first husband, there was one place where he met me, where what where it was the most important for me at 28 years old. And that was, I just really liked him. Like I really liked him as a person. Like I could, we, we would talk for hours. So he was an intuitive healer and I was really just understanding. I was going into all of that and wanting to understand it. And we met by me having a reading with him and, you know, and I loved him. Like I really loved him and I, it wasn't a romantic love. So that was kind of where I lost myself. But, but really when I go back to 28, 27, like right when we hooked up, he did really fulfill something that I had never had, which was a man who I felt authentically and and, and to this day, I, I know that he loved me. Um, but we had more of a friendship. And so where I felt like when it's, like I said, when it started to, when it, when it, I think like when we were friends, even in our marriage, I could be my true self. It was when I was holding on to a romantic relationship with him. You know, it was just the difference of a friendship and a romantic, intimate relationship. That's where I started to lose myself. And and I think that here's how I look at that relationship. I look at it as I lost myself to find myself because when we broke up, when we got divorced, I went through the most intensive three month healing. And this is the, this is the kind of healing that I work with my clients where I was continually reprogramming my subconscious, releasing the trauma from my parents' divorce and like shifting massive subconscious beliefs from an energetic perspective. And at the end of those three months, I had completely shifted my relationship with my father. It was healed. It was like, I can't even explain it. It was what talk therapy could, I had been in talk therapy for probably, you know, since the time I was 23 years old, but in three months, this kind of energetic, massive reprogramming that I went through with this energy healer, I came out and I found my relationship with my dad. Again, I found who I was. I released all of the, I guess, um, masks that I wore and embraced all of the truth that I really was. And from that time on, 
my relationships with men completely changed. The kinds of men that I drew in was very different, even than my good friend, Matthew. Um, and everything shifted from that time. So lost myself, but then really went into my healing and found myself and found a depth of myself that I had never known before. Mm, that is so beautiful. That's, that is amazing. And I do understand the difference between having talk therapy and some kind of energetic healing that it can propel you much quicker. So let's talk about then mm -hmm. what a successful relationship or a, mm. not successful, but maybe healthy and diverse relationship. Tell us what you talk about in on your podcast and mm -hmm. what you're um, trying to bring out into the world right now, as far as relationships go. Oh, awesome. So yeah, diverse relationships. What does that mean? Um, so I define diverse relationships as all the varied ways that we relate to each other intimately. We're brought up learning one kind of relationship structure and that is monogamy. I read a crazy statistic that like 65% of monogamous relationships are non-monogamous, but a much smaller part are ethically non-monogamous, mm. which means that there's a lot of dysfunction. There's a lot of cheating. There's We're never taught how to communicate, how to express our needs and desires, and really that our needs and desires are even important and valid. And so- what I like to talk about in my podcast is that there are different ways and different structures to be in relationships. I talk about solo amory, which is the choice of having the most intimate relationship with yourself. Mm -hmm. Of course, monogamy we know about, which is uh, my most intimate relationship is with one other person. And then an ethical or consensual non-monogamy where we're, I'm able to have other kinds of intimate relationships with more than one person. And my main message is like, I don't promote any one relationship structure. What I promote and advocate for is knowing yourself the most intimately to know what you want. And that the knowledge of having these different kinds of relationship structures can begin to build a picture of the kind of relationship that you want. So you may not choose to be in an ethically non-monogamous relationship, but there are aspects of that that can really support and, and honor a monogamous relationship. The thing that I'm thinking about is the amount of communication that's needed in an ethically non-monogamous relationship and like open-hearted um, communication of really expressing your truth and your needs and your desires has to happen for it to be successful. So that kind of quality in a monogamous relationship really helps a monogamous relationship. Let's say that you're in a um, ethically non-monogamous relationship, but you're feeling lost within yourself and you want to spend time to get to know yourself. Aspects of a solo amorous relationship with yourself could be, could be brought into either monogamy or ethically non-monogamous relationship to paint a fuller picture of a more fulfilling relationship. So when we kind of say like, okay, we, we've seen what we're shown a relationship should look like, but we're going to let all of that go just for a moment. And we're going to see like, what do I really want? So 
I am in an ethically non-monogamous relationship, but could I have done that when my children were small? Absolutely not. But my husband and I are continually evolving. We are committed to our self-growth and we got to a place in our relationship that we felt like this would be an experience that we're open to trying, to talking about, to expanding ourselves individually and together as a couple. So I talk about like exploring things in terms of timing and structure, really being aware of, and all of this takes incredible self-awareness. That's what I really like to help my clients through is the process of becoming aware of their inner deepest desires and values and thoughts. And then like, I have some people that are like, I could never be uh, ethically non-monogamous. I could never be polyamorous. And I like to just ask why, like, why? Let's look at what is really the reason instead of, I think when we stop at, I could never do that, or we stop at, I would just be too jealous. We're really not getting to the gold of what could be a massive self-evolution and self-healing and self-growth. It doesn't mean that you're going to go into polyamory, but it just means like, let's explore it. Let's go deeper into like the meat of it so that we can continually grow and evolve individually. Yeah. I love that. And, you know, you are so pinpointing a particular point, which was that we so often can't articulate our deepest desires, our deepest wants and needs. And that's like the hallmark or a hallmark trait of the people pleaser. Mm -hmm. And so the people pleaser has no, well, very hard time tapping into what do I want? What do I need? What do I desire? And then how do I speak up and speak out and assert and feel worthy enough that I can have that? Like, like you said, go to the question, why? If you say, I could never do that. Why? Why? If you are wondering, am I really a people pleaser? Am I really a perfectionist? I can help you find those answers and discover what you can do about it right now to shift into your power. Or maybe you have an idea that you're a people pleaser or a perfectionist, but you're not sure to what extent you are one. You can find out more by taking the people pleaser and perfectionist quiz. The link is in the show notes. Who's because, oh, this one might judge me. That one might judge me. This one might leave me. If I were to say that to my husband, he might, you know, divorce me or he might reject me. And what would my mom say? And what would my friends say? And would they ostracize me? Uh There's all that fear, 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 fear of rejection, fear of being Uh unlovable, unworthy. But let's really look at that. If you stay in that Uh camp of fear, what are you sacrificing your, your, you have one life. Dr. Phil used to say, this is not mm-hmm. a dress rehearsal. You have this one, one life, mm-hmm. right? Well, depending on what you believe, but let's just say you have this mm-hmm. and what 
do you want to do with that life? Do you want to be on your deathbed and say, God, I wish I was more true to myself. I wish that I had mm -hmm. lived my life according to my drum, not what other people would say. And I bet you bump up against that a lot with this, with clients where they just, yes. Yeah. Or bump up or bump into people who no way. Definitely. And I find this is where this reprogramming work that I do helps because a lot of times this comes from childhood, from a lot of, I think, people pleasers are the peacemakers of the family or they feel or they're the empaths and they do not like conflict really um dysregulates their nervous system and they just want to do anything to keep the peace in the family. And, um, and so this, this is where the reprogramming, because we have in our, in our subconscious that um, we are not worthy of feeling our own feelings um, and, and not only feeling them, but then expressing them. And then a lot of people don't know how to express them. And it's really, really scary. This is, this is like work for the courageous. You have to like muster up all the courage to be able to one, look at it within yourself and then be able to communicate it as well. It's also very liberating and empowering. And so that's why I think like I needed to work with someone while I was exploring this kind of stuff, because I just, it's really scary. And everything within me will say, I don't want to look at it. Right. Um, but what I found is that it is truly empowering. And I'll tell you kind of, I, I think it's an interesting story, how I got to this realization that every relationship is as unique as you are. And it was in my parenting journey. And I think I might've talked about this a little bit when we were talking about um, the parenting with, with Jen. Um, but when I was parenting, I, I always say that, that I raised kids in the age of Pinterest parenting of like, uh, I'm going to make you cute sandwiches and do all these projects, art projects with you. And you're not going to watch any TV or, or ever be on a screen. And I'm going to be this perfect parent. And um, I really struggled with parenting in the first probably four to five years. So I had kids later, I was 38 and 43 when I had my children. And, um, even though I had done all this work on myself, I still felt like I had to keep up with all of my friends who seemed to very effortlessly do all the things that they say makes a good parent. And I really struggled. I felt like a total failure. Mm -hmm. And I really didn't like motherhood because I felt bad at it. Anything we feel bad at, we're not going to like, right? And so it was one day that I just said to myself, you know what? I'm going to not only throw away everything that I've read that makes a good parent, like a good parent in air quotes, and I'm going to look at what I love to do and how I show up as a parent with me, with my unique situation. My husband worked a lot. 
I was home with my very spirited little boy by myself and I was exhausted and he never slept and he hardly ate. And I just kind of threw everything out the window. And then I saw, oh, well, this is the kind of thing I like to do with my kids. I love to like go on a walk with them in the park, hold hands, snuggle. You know, um, there are things that I, and as they've gotten older, I realized I'm just a better mom with older children. You know, they're not, mine are nine and 13. And I love this age because we talk about our visions. We talk about, you know, philosophy and spirituality and all these really great things. And so then I started loving motherhood. I was like, oh, okay, I get I get this. I love it. I'm being my unique self. I'm being my unique self as a mother to my unique kids. We are creating a unique relationship. Our family is unique. And so many things started to open up. And that's how I started to then apply this to relationships. And it's so fulfilling. It's so fulfilling. Just life is more fun because I'm like, oh, I get to do things that I love. I don't have to force myself to make cute sandwiches for lunch, which I think I've done all but two times in their entire lives. <laughs> oh my goodness. I love um, that you said that. Yeah, because, very freeing. You know, I I just did a TikTok on comparison is the death of creativity. And that's what you just <clears throat> spoke to. You were comparing yourself to other moms or to a standard of what a good mom should look like. And it totally zapped you of being who you mm -hmm. want to be. And then once you threw that all out the window and said, let me be my own unique self. And you were no longer comparing yourself. You're the, you said the doors opened up to so much. It led you to your, yeah, and it led you to your relationship. It led yep. you to, this is your message. Every, and I'll repeat it. Every relationship is as unique as you are. You know, it's mm -hmm. just, mm -hmm. oh my God. So awesome. Mm, so awesome. Thank you. Yeah. So thank this, you. And I, and I think that it, this, this is able to honor every person, how they come and show up in the world. So mm -hmm. like in the parenting thing, I had friends who loved crafts and make cute sandwiches and they, and, and, yes. and, and this is where I think community is so important because I was able to say like, Hey, I'll create vision boards with your kids. Will you do crafts with my kids? Cause you love it so much. And they're like, yes, absolutely. So we came together yeah. celebrating each of our uniquenesses, each of our strengths and were more joyful as we, you know, got to be with our kids in different ways. Yeah, completely. So I think I already have a guess as to if a one takeaway for the listeners based upon what you just said in your quote, but if you had one takeaway or one tip mm -hmm. for the listeners, what would it be? Mm. Oh, I love what you said about there is one life to live. Mm. We have one life to live. And are we going to get to the end of our lives and say, I lived my life from fear? And fear was my guiding light. And think about 
that that's like when I am facing really challenging moments where I am terrified to move forward, even doing my podcast, even, you know, talking to my kids about my relationship structure, even all of those things. I ask myself, what, what would my life be like if I didn't take the chance? Mm. And that is the thing that's always pushed me to do everything that's scary in my life. Some things, maybe it takes years to get through. Sometimes maybe it takes weeks or days or hours, but I always ask myself, am I going to let fear guide my decisions? And I just kind of go to the end of my life. And and I think like, you know, I'm going to be much happier because maybe I took chances. Maybe I lost people along the way, but at least I lived my authentic, true life the best I could every moment. Even if the best I could was going back and hiding, that's okay too. Mm. So compassion, acceptance, self-love, these are lifelong lessons um, that we'll be working on, but taking the risks has always, it's been terrifying, but have always paid off in one way or the other or another. Mm. God, I love that. And I really, really feel that (laughs) I feel that when you say that deeply, because it is the, the thing that haunts me day in and day out. And it also propels me like that fear. Like mm-hmm. I don't want to succumb to fear. And because I don't, it pushes me, it drives me. So I get, I really get that. Oh my God, that is mm-hmm. an amazing takeaway. So this has been an mm-hmm. awesome conversation. Is there any last thing that you want to impart on the listeners? Well, I'd love for um, people to check out the podcast, Relationship Diversity Podcast. And I really want to be a guiding light in relationships and intimate relationships and helping people live their most authentic lives in those intimate relationships. So I would just love to encourage people to connect with me um, with any questions, any topics that they would want to list, you know, hear about that they would want me to explore. Um, I am always open to that and love to connect with people. Awesome. You're doing amazing work in the world and it's very specific and unique and I love it. And I think that it's so needed. People might be afraid to reach out to you, but I can, I can feel that if they do, they're going to be so glad that they did because living and, and being in a relationship, monogamous relationship, or even your relationship with yourself, where you go your entire life of just Mm -hmm. living according to, like we talked about in the beginning, living according to other people's expectations or living from fear is no way to live. Mm -hmm. So you're doing- Yeah, and it's scary. It takes- Thank you so much. And I, I hear you. It is really scary to reach out and- I, my intention is always to hold a space of love and acceptance, first and foremost, love and acceptance and, and honoring the courage that it takes for someone to reach out is I agree. It takes courage and it's scary. Um, but it's the first step, right? 
It You've is. been there too. And it your is. work is so important too, Kim, because, you know, to, to bust out of that people pleasing opens up a whole new world for people. So yeah. thank you for what you're doing too. Yes. Yes. You're yeah. welcome. Thank you. I will have all the information in the show notes as well. So thank you again for being awesome. here. And thank you, everybody. Thank you, for, thank you, everybody, for listening to another episode of Masks Off. And as always, if you enjoyed this conversation as much as I did, I would love for you to subscribe, like, or comment. And I will see you next time on Masks Off. If you enjoyed this podcast and you want to take the next step to overcoming your people-pleasing and perfectionistic tendencies, reach out to me at kimgrosscoaching.com for a free discovery call. Also, if you liked what you heard today, I would love it if you subscribed or left a review. And remember, remove your masks and create the life that you desire.